Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly radio show and podcast where we'll be talking about the secrets behind living an inspired and extraordinary life. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Regina Garropy. Regina is a mentor, essence coach, and speaker, and she is also the director of training for one of my gurus, Mike Dooley's Train the Trainer programs. In addition to all of that, Regina also runs her own company to empower women to reclaim their essence and be the leader of their lives without guilt or apology. Regina, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ellen. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much for making time in your very busy schedule. I'm thrilled that you're here. And I'm really intrigued by the idea of reclaiming your essence and leading your life without apology. But before we go into that, I was hoping you could give us a little bit of background on yourself. You didn't start out your professional life as a coach. You had a different path. So can you just give us a little background? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I am what you would call a recovering good girl, perfectionist, achiever. I mean, you can just tell by the title. <laughs> I love <laughs> and, it. And I would say that after, after the disillusionment of realizing that I wasn't going to grow up to be a mermaid or a fairy, <laughs> I decided that in order to get the happily ever after, that I would take the subtle cues from what the media and the culture was telling me and, and do what I thought I needed to do, which was, you know, to be good, right? Be good, be quiet, be compliant, be humble, don't make a fuss, get good grades, go to a good school, marry a nice boy, buy a house with a white picket fence and have a baby and live happily ever after. And so I did all of that, including getting a good job as an elementary school teacher. I mean, you really cannot get more good girls than that. So I was an <laughs> elementary school teacher. That's how I started my career. And I did right after college. I married my husband. And a couple of years later, we bought a house. And then right before I turned 30, I had my son. And I, you know, just sort of waited for happily ever after to happen because I really thought that I had I had everything that I thought I could ever want um and so I crushingly and sort of shamefully had to admit to myself that I wasn't really happy and I I felt sort of empty around that and also um guilty that I felt that way especially when you know I had these things that people wanted you know um I was married. I had a baby. I got to stay home. I could like I could feel gratitude for my life, but I didn't feel inspired. I felt I, I like to describe it as I felt like a glossy laminated shell, where mm, that's I interesting. I looked good on the outside. I was trying really hard to have it all together and be a great mom and a great wife, but I was disconnected from myself and I was going through the motions and kind of keep like shamefully keeping the secret 
that I, I wasn't fulfilled and I wasn't happy and got really caught up in the shoulds. Like I kept thinking, the more I try, I've just got to try to be better. I got to try and stay busy and do more and then I'll be happy. And, you know, I realized eventually that what I was really suffering from was a, a dehydration of my soul. I, I wasn't connected to my essence. In fact, I didn't even know what essence meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I claim it. Um, and th- honestly, that's what took me on my own personal development journey, uh, which included, I would say, a, in a, in a mo- either a moment of insanity or um, a spirit-led action. You know, you can decide which one, um, which had me sign up uh, to do direct sales, which seemed very uh, opposite of what everything leading up in my life would be because it was direct sales uh, for a company that sold adult novelties. Like the comp- like that is not what a good girl do- does is sell sex toys. That is pretty much of a departure from being an elementary school teacher. <laughs> right. And, um, but you know, it was Wait, also... wait, wait. How, how did you get into that? <laughs> my little sister. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> My she, was, she was less of a good girl. She didn't have the oh, pressure you yeah, had. Yeah, she was. She was the opposite because she was like, "Well, I can't be Regina, so I'm gonna be the opposite." And so she was in my family, sort of more of the wild child. And so when I, I had just had Ethan, my son, and she called me up and she was so excited. Oh, I just joined this company and it's gonna be so great. And I was like, "Wait, wait, wait. Do you are you selling that?" And I, <laughs> I was like, "That's disgusting." Very judgy, very judgy. I was, uh-huh. I couldn't. And then she came down uh, to Florida, and she played the the good girl sister guilt card, which was, "But you're supposed to support me. You're my sister. You need to have a party for me." And I did. And and the truth is that um, at one point during the party, I got up and I walked to the bathroom and I cried, and I cried because I realized the things she was talking about, like this connection to our self, to our goddess self, to our sexuality, I felt, I didn't even know what that was. And I felt this loss all of a sudden. Um, and, and sort of a, um, yeah, a grief for not knowing what that connection was. And so um, at that party, I did what any good girl would do. And I bought a book. <laughs> <laughs> that, um like sort of started something, it planted a seed. And it really probably took another eight or nine months of my sister continuing to say, you you should do direct sales, which I kind of thought, you know, I did need something outside of just being stay at home mom, um, you know, because I was on this journey to sort of find myself again. And uh, I, you know, all I can say is it, it, either insanity or spirit said, this is actually the path of healing for you. Because if you, my archetype as a teacher, I knew that if I could research and figure it out to start teaching others, that would mean I'd have to learn it myself. And really that's where I learned that, that when, well, it's when we cut ourselves off from anything, but in this case, cutting myself off from my sexuality and my sensuality and that part of me that, um, you know, feels excitement and fire, it also cut me off from my power and my creativity. Um, And so doing that business is really what taught me so much about that, about how to really reclaim my essence and also about my gifts, right? Like doing 
doing that business really challenged me to bring forth everything I was learning on this journey and really challenged me in so many ways. And I guess really on the topic of your show, like I really learned grit <laughs> doing that business. I can imagine. Wow. Yeah, you were you were good at it. You were very successful with it. I was, but you know, not in the beginning, <laughs> not in the beginning, in the beginning, I really was, I, I was always a good teacher. So I, my presentations were, were always pretty good, but you know, learning, I learning the business, I'd never been an entrepreneur. I mean, I'd been a teacher. You didn't have to learn sales in, a, in teaching. So, um, all of those pieces had to come in and I had to learn not to give up. And every time I was faced with rejection, cause people rejected you all the time when you are asking them to have a party or even, I mean, I had a woman take her child off the playground away from me because she found out what I did. So <laughs> I, I really you're, had You're to... so scary. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of interesting things about your story. Uh, one of them is that you, you know, had this feeling like you had to be this good girl and your sister, as you said, was the opposite. So it sounds like it wasn't so much coming from your parents or anything. It was coming because you're, you're both raised in the same home, I assume. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like this pressure is coming from yourself, right? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, I think I learned early on just because of things that were going on in my home and in my childhood that, especially with my sister being the contrast, that the way that I would be loved, because really that's what we're always all looking for. The way to be loved was, was to be good and to not create any conflict or any drama, you know, to get the, the praise and validation from my teachers was to do my work and, um, and be helpful and make sure that I never got in trouble. You know, all of that was just the way that I was raised. And then, you know, I was watching also TV and seeing, um, what was expected of women um, or girls, you know, always being told, be a, shh, be a good girl. Right, um, right. Yeah. But but definitely from myself. Yeah, yeah. I love how you broke out of that and you're able to, you know, as we'll talk about in a minute, create this whole tribe around um, helping women to reawaken their yeah. inner essence, which is really cool. But first I want to just touch upon, so you, you were doing these sales and then somehow you got hooked up with Mike Dooley, who's one of the people who was in The Secret. You know, he's somebody that I've been following for years. So how did you cross paths with him and how did you start working in the, the field of coaching and personal development in that realm? So when I was working in that business, uh, that's really also when I began you know, because I did become successful and I began mentoring and, and coaching and training people in, in the company, um, and then outside of it. Um, and I heard about the law of attraction from Mike Dooley's notes from the universe. In fact, the owner of the company I worked for forwarded me one of the notes and that's how I got on the list. And I, and I, and then I also saw Jack Canfield talk and, um, and so I was fascinated by these principles. And when I, you know, I started to work with them, I actually felt like the pieces of like a long lost puzzle started snapping together. Because, you know, I, I was a magical child when I was a kid. And there was so much that I knew I created when I felt powerful and magical. 
And then I also recognize that so many of the times in my life where I had not been feeling good, where I have been suffering, it wasn't because of the challenging events or circumstances that had happened, but because of the stories or thoughts I had been believing, like thoughts of scarcity and inadequacy and not trusting. So can you, can you, can you give us an example of what you're talking about there? Um, so like the, the times in my life where, um, well, specifically to that business when, you know, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't doing well in the business, right? I couldn't get anyone to say yes to the parties. So I immediately went to, well, it might be, it must be because I'm not good enough. It must be because I don't know anything. It must be because, you know, in just starting to go down that, that path of believing, well, I'll never get to be one of the top people in the company. I'll never get here. I'll never have that because I'm not enough. Mm. And once I started really hearing this message and then remembering that I, I am worthy, I do have power, I can follow my intuition, that's when things started opening up. That's when I started becoming really successful as a recruiter. Um, and part of that was just really kind of taking off my mask and being authentic and connecting to my desire and my dreams, which of course is all part of the message I was also trying to share with women. Um, and so I, for four years, got the notes from the universe, was sort of working with this. And then one day I clicked on the link, like a lot of people do that, you know, find, find the link below and clicked on it because there was something about a, uh, talk that you could download. And that's when I discovered that Mike Dooley lived in my town. I was shocked. The universe lives in Orlando (laughs) this whole time. Um, And he began doing these monthly talks and I went to almost all of them. I mean, if I was there in town, I went. And after a while, Mike, I think couldn't help but notice because I was that, I was that woman who just kept, I was, I kept showing up, kept showing up. I was the bobblehead taking all kinds of notes in the audience, nodding my head and so excited. And uh, then he had his very first train the trainer conference. And I, of course, was there. And after that, he asked me to be on his board of directors. And I really think it was because I just kept showing up. I think he was like, well, we need someone else. And we know that woman will show up because she shows up to everything. (laughs) And um, so I got on the board of directors. And of course, like law of attraction, it turns out that he needed help. Um, really wanting to develop the next Train the Trainer event and the program and the curriculum. And so with my background in curriculum, in leadership training, um, at that point I had experience running another certification program for uh, coaches. So I ju- it just, we were brought together. We were gifts to each other. And so that's, we've been collaborating and developing that program for the past five years. Wow, that's that's really cool. And just really quick, I don't know if all of the listeners will know what these notes from the universe are, but they're free emails that you can sign up for. And I'll put the link in the show notes page, but it's really cool because every morning, Monday through Friday, you get an, uh, an email that says it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a positive note from the universe. And uh, really, it's Mike Dooley, but it comes in as the universe talking. And it's one of my favorite things to open every single morning. When I first wake up, it starts the day in a very positive and affirmational way. So, um, so I will include the links to those. So thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so as you, as you um, moved forward into this whole realm of um, 
life coaching and helping people find their paths as you were, in fact, discovering your own, you started to build up your own brand. And um, that began with Reclaim Your Essence. And then you moved into this Bye Bye Good Girl brand, which is such a fantastic name. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I'm sure you've probably heard the saying before. I I really should know and give this person credit, but it's it's the saying of around your your mess can become your message. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so as a recovering good girl who needed to reclaim her essence, I I you know, I incorporated that in, you know, as it became my own personal journey, I then became the perfect person to work with women on these very same things that I've been through. So Bye Bye Good Girl actually began as a boot camp style online class that I co-led with Christina Dunbar. And uh, that was after spending uh, about a year together, studying, talking, researching, figuring out what this whole thing was about the good girl archetype. And uh, we de- we developed everything we could, this entire body of work and curriculum about how the good girl archetype, how that energy pattern affects us, how it's served, and how it's limited us. And we became very passionate about saying bye-bye um, to how it has limited us. Not to the whole good girl, because that's still part of us, but to the ways in which it limited us. And bye-bye to the ways in which the good girl syndrome hindered our connection to our essence, to our voice, to our bodies, to our dreams. And then that led to us creating, you know, more more programs and, and women's circles. And then we created the bye-bye good girl getaway, which is now in its sixth year. Um, after the first two years, Christina, uh, she had a dream of doing a one-woman show. And I said, you have got to go do that dream. And she said to me, you have got to keep doing this. So although we split ways, we are still soul sisters and hugely supportive of each other's work. And I have just taken that and, and developed it. And at the getaway, that is really, you know, a lot of the core of the work where we look at this archetype, which includes uh, the judge, the perfectionist, the guilty daughter, the scared child, like all of those ways that that shows up in our lives. And we give women an experience in a really beautiful place in Mexico, how to access and hear from other parts of ourselves, right? Because that is one part, but it's not every part of us. Like we are infinite, of course. So what would it be like if we heard from our inner magical child? Like, what does that part of us have to teach us? And what does the inner wise woman have to say about our lives and how can she be more connected to us? And then, of course, the third archetype we explored was the red hot visionista. <laughs> ah, and that's your other brand. It is. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So is that different from the Bye Bye Good Girl? So now, like, so the Bye Bye Good Girl is still a core curriculum that we teach um, because I think it's important to understand that archetype and really that the majority of that work is what we do in the in the Bye Bye Good Girl Getaway, which is a retreat that I lead once a year, and it's open to anyone who's interested. And then what evolved from that was doing a deeper program because women who went through that and they had that experience for you know, five days, they're with women and they're in this circle and they're learning this material and they wanted more. And I wanted to teach more. I felt like this, all of this is a journey, right? Into leading our own lives. And, 
Um, there's so many, so many things that uh, come up during the course of a year. And I, so I created this nine month program and it had a lot of deep support. And the basis of it was, I called it Red Hot Visionista. Um, and it began with the idea of what does it mean to lead our lives without guilt or apology? Because I saw so many women who either were seen as leaders in their work or in their families or in their communities, but they weren't really living uh, and leading their own lives because they were so either burnt out or overwhelmed or burdened by responsibility and what they should do, or women who were really poised to, to lead and make an impact, but still didn't feel good enough or were, were filled with a lot of the fears of being visible, of putting ourselves out there. And so that's, that's part of how it began. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a, an extremely powerful experience to work through those issues and, and rewrite some of our inner s- stories that we keep telling ourselves. Even to look at the stories from those different points of view sounds like an ex- extremely valuable exercise. Yeah. And, and you know, the re- you know, part of the real story, actually, of how this came to be was I was working with Mike for about a year. And, you know, when you are on stage and you're working, you are vulnerable to criticism. <laughs> and um, I, there was another woman who wrote a very scathing and personally attacking um, survey around her feelings about me and my leadership. And um, I was beyond devastated by this. I probably cried for a week and I really considered quitting, right? Like I, I, cause I didn't want to feel that pain, but I also felt I went to blame. Like I don't want Mike's work or company to suffer because, because of this. And I, I went to this one person who, um, who had an issue with me and was about to give up on my dream, <laughs> was mm. about to walk away from all of the people who I had helped and the ways in which I had contributed because it triggered my darkest fear, which is one, you aren't good enough. And number two, if you lead, people will hate you. And I realized that ultimately I'm not the only one who feels afraid to really put ourselves out there and be seen and then deal with criticism. And what I began to really see was that there is this cultural phenomenon called, well, I'm calling it, I call it the sister wound. And it's this wound that all of us have because we've all been hurt or shamed or betrayed or backstabbed or criticized by another woman, whether it's actually our biological sister or our best friend or a colleague or associate or someone else. And if you look at what you know, has happened historically is women are known for tearing other women down, women judging other women for the choices they make, their opinions, how they dress, what they look like. And I realized that I felt this deep calling to do something about that. Because until we can understand and acknowledge that there there is that going on, there is the sister wound, and then find a healthier way to deal with our envy and our jealousy and our judgment, then our innate power to heal, because I believe that feminine is, has this incredible power to heal and nurture. And that would continue to hold us back from stepping in to, I mean, on the bigger level, healing the world, because right now, so many women feel like they can't trust other women. 
because of that. And if we can't trust other women, then we can't trust ourselves, which means we can't lead our own lives and express our essence and, you know, do what I know we can do if we become a reflection of our own self-love. So I created RHV as a way to create a circle to be that change that we want to see in the world. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, these days with everything going on politically and and the the new, I think it's new, awareness of women's power, I guess, to yeah. stand together and have a voice. It seems like this type of work is even more important than perhaps ever before. I agree. And and I also, you know, agree. And we, re- we really talk about it in the group that we have to have a safe space to also, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to band together with somebody who believes exactly the same way we do. But it's another thing when you are confronted with someone who doesn't believe the same thing or who is exhibiting something that triggers something in you, whether that's jealousy or annoyance or, you know, all of that. And using or having each other be a mirror for our own self growth is healing because whenever someone really triggers you, it's because it's a part of yourself you haven't owned, acknowledged, or looked at, right? Um, but I think that we have to have some guidance and some safe space to do that. Um, and that's part of what I'm trying to do in the world. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's so important, and I'm certain that somehow women are going to have a significant role in healing the world for all that's going on these days, especially. Um, but what what you just said about learning how to come together with others that perhaps are not a, not a, a carbon copy of you, a, a mere image of you, is very interesting. And, and I want to talk a little bit about the community of women that have kind of grown out of these retreats and these workshops and things that you've been doing because it seems like these days people can get um, I guess isolated with technology and just being so busy but but that idea of a tribe that idea of a um, of a family a family of a family of friends that you create and choose conscientiously, consciously and conscientiously is so important. So can you talk a little bit about that, like forming that group and the importance of that group? Well, I think we are hungry for it. I, you know, I do. So I think that there, there is that part of us that recognizes that we are, we're a species that needs each other. Like we, tribe is ancient, right? We needed tribe in order to survive. And now our lives are different in that, you know, we can be self-sustaining. But on a, on a soul level, I think we need community. We need to be seen and heard and supported. We, it's, a, it's a need, you know, Maslow said, it's a need to feel like we belong. Um, and I think that it is also how we can nourish our souls, um, and feel connected to something bigger. Um, and it's also a way in, in this particular way, this community, it's a way for us to continue to reach for our dreams and desires and to take on leadership in the world because the fear criticism of not being enough, of being judged, like that is a, a t- 
terrifying and for a lot of us kind of debilitating. It keeps us from stepping forward into what we really want. And because our brains don't understand the difference between real danger and just being scared to take the next step toward your dream, I think that one of the ways that we can deal with that is to have a strong support system who believe in us, who see us, who remind us of who we are when we get really scared and also challenge us when we are blinded or we're being held back by fear or resistance or judgment. So, I mean, I think we all need to have community. That, that's where, it's where we really began. And I think that's where we're all going is to come back as one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And it seems like, you know, if, if someone listening, I guess, doesn't already have this in their life and is, is going to go out and try to create it, it makes, let me formulate this question a little bit. It makes me think of your retreats and I'm trying to imagine some of the powerful moments that are happening there when people are coming together with the intention of creating this community and what I, you know, I'm kind of imagining laughter and tears and this shared common ground happening as as these women are are putting away technology and and connecting on a human level. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what happens? It is. It is. And I, I, I mean, it is time. The retreats are time to do that um, that inner work because in our regular lives, right? We we are, like you said, we're so busy and we have responsibilities and we have to-do lists and we have children and jobs and spouses and doggies and all kinds of things to take care of. So the retreat is a place for you to come into a space of, you know, let go, put it by the door, you come back to it, but put it by the door and step into a space where we then learn to take off our masks that we all wear for protection. And we look at um, we have time, like all of these things, like my retreats are not the only, there's lots of opportunities for women to gather and do this. But what I think it's really about is that soul nourishment, because that's, we can have lots of things. Um, but if we don't, if we're not nourishing our souls and hydrating them, then we don't feel fulfilled. So I have found that the ways in which we hydrate our souls have to do with, you know, we do need time away um, for quiet reflection to listen to our hearts and listen to our dreams and our inner wise woman and what she has to say. So we need some quiet space for that. And then we also need, um, you know, I think we need creative expression. So, you know, my retreats, there's music and um, sometimes there's song and movement and time to do something creative and time to be in nature, right? That's a way that fills up our soul when we're out in nature. And then also telling someone else your story, like even us right now having this conversation, we feel more connected and, and coming into community where we're telling our stories and we're being seen and heard. And that, um, that's what happens on those retreats and why they're so powerful and create this space for us to look within, look at those patterns that were things we're doing, why we're not taking steps, what are our dreams, what's keeping us from them. Um, all of that we can look at when, when we're doing this work. And sometimes we need to get away in order to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. And it's, you know, women are such caregivers and so many of us, are always 
you know, giving to the kids and the husband and the home and the work and, and everything. And I, I think for many people, there's a level of guilt when they make a, make, make, a, make a space for something for themselves or, or state a, a desire or a need to have this time. A lot of women just, just are like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. It's just me. You know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, they just brush it off, but it's so important. It is so important to give to ourselves in order to give to others. That used to be one of my power beliefs. I had to, you know, it's, I mean, I'm recovering. It's still hard sometimes to receive full support um, and to put taking care of myself as, you know, top priority. It, it's, it's still a challenge. I have to keep, you know, unveiling layers of it. But it, it is really important if the more fully we take care of ourselves and receive support for ourselves, then the more fully we can give because it's a circle. Because it's a circle. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Regina, I'm going to have to wrap this up because we are out of time. But I just want to thank you once again for spending some time with us and sharing your wisdom and stories. It's given me a lot to think about and ponder, certainly. Um, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it is my honor, Ellen. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Wonderful. Wonderful. My guest today was Regina Garapi of Red Hot Visionistas. You can find this complete interview and links to Regina's website and Facebook page on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thank you again for joining us and please tune in again next week at the same time for more inspirational stories and tips for creating the life of your dreams. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.